Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. This is your host, of course, Mike Abadir. Hope everybody's having a great sports week and uh, life in general, because we got a lot to talk about here with my main man, Pop DiBiase. We're going to talk a lot of NBA, some NFL, some MLB, but let's start right now with one of the bigger, on paper, upsets in the NBA that we've seen in a long time. Pop, man, I'm telling you, I legitimately thought when the Celtics brought it back to 3-3 that it was game over for Miami. How impressive was that, man, to be able to dig deep. And in the press conference before, I, I heard Jimmy Butler. He seemed so calm. He seemed like almost so sure of himself, like he knew they were going to win. I mean, that was, this is a thing of legend. Let me hear your thoughts. Well, you know, a lot of us just really had to really understand that, you know, we're dealing with a guy that is very uber confident himself, but we have to just, there were so many advantages that he had coming into the series. They had the better coach. They had guys who have won NBA titles uh, across the board on that team as well, too, and appeared in NBA finals as well, too. And there was just a lot of things that, it was a bad it was a bad draw for Miami. This is the same team that you played in three out of the last four conference finals, and they beat you in two of them. So everybody, you know, it's an upset because they were uh, the seeding that they had. In reality, it was it was just a rematch from last year, and it was sweet revenge for Miami. Miami felt that they could have beat the Celtics a year before, but they missed shots. They missed shots at the end of the game. I was flying back from New York City um, that day when they played that game seven, and that was an incredible game seven because everybody has to understand the way that the Heat got to that game seven. They had to win game six in Boston. So winning a game in Boston was not a tough thing for them. And I'm with you, Mike. I literally was like, it's over. Celtics by a dozen or better. And, you know, I don't even like to talk like that. You know I want to take the dog in a spot like that. But the way that Boston won the game, any team would have been dejected. When we used to watch basketball in the 90s and the early 2000s, if you got a buzzer beater in the game that was the deciding game, not the game that closed it out, but the game that got you the third win, you usually blew that team away in the next game. Because mentally they weren't there anymore. and what happened was is that that was almost like expected with the Heat. The Heat pretty much had the idea that, yeah, we're up three zip, but we got to win four games. All we did was just put put a cushion to ourselves. Now we're in a point where this is the season. So they caught the greatest motivation of all time. Win or go home. Simple, Mike. Win or go home, and you yeah, know but what? I mean, Boston Jimmy, had the same. Even though the home. expectations were very different, but they had the same kind of like issue, right? Win or go home. Yeah, but Boston felt entitled. That's what the problem is, Mike. That's why they lost the series. That's why they lost the first two games. That's why they lost game three, because they felt entitled to winning those games. They didn't play hard enough to win those games, even though they were up, Mike. They didn't finish. And then when it came down to game seven, let's just keep it real. Tatum got hurt and they had no Malcolm Brogdon. So there were some advantages that Miami did have, but it doesn't matter. You have the players there that can win that game and they didn't. It's that simple. You know what I mean? And I think that Miami did the greatest job ever of taking advantage of a team that literally ran out of gas. They, the Celtics literally just ran out of gas and, um, I'm not blaming Missoula. Missoula doesn't get fired. Why would we fire Missoula? Missoula was a rookie head coach that led this team to the second uh, best uh, record in the league. So, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day, man. 
You're either going to win the game or you're going to lose the game. And the Celtics lost. They did. They, it, you, you're not going to get there because you're the two seed. It doesn't work like that anymore, Mike. In the 90s, yeah, we would have got to this game and possibly, you know, the Celtics would have just warm out. But now we're playing a new sports world where the underdog don't need to be called the underdog no more because how the hell did we all get here? Because I I played the same amount of games this team did. I won the same amount of games this team did. So why do we need to uh, – we don't need to play the uh, – the, the, there is no more David and Goliath. It's just hooping. It's just straight-up basketball at the end of the day. I told people off top that the playoffs were going to be different this year because we're finally going to see parity. And the craziest thing about it is the parity that I expected was going to be on the Western Conference. It wound up being on the Eastern Conference. Nobody saw Philly and Milwaukee, you know, exiting that quickly. Honestly, I thought they were going to be playing each other in the conference finals. You know, even though Philly got to the second round and had the opportunity to win the series twice, you know, that was probably the biggest fail of the playoffs because I don't think the 76ers lose to the Heat. That's just me because Doc Rivers understood who he was going up against in that situation. And he had, and see, Doc Rivers has enough experience to really have a chess match with Eric Spoelstra. Eric Spoelstra became the premier coach in the NBA off this playoff run alone because people had to respect where this man is coming from. This man has went to what? What is it now? Um, it would be they're they're going to their sixth final. He's coaching them up for the uh, the what is it now? Is six seven final? I don't know. But he's been there, what, five out of six of those times. Um, I'm trying to think, okay, the first time when they beat, yeah, okay, when they beat Dallas, Riley was in charge. And when they came back around, yep, he's been to five out of six of their finals. And he's been a part of the franchise for all six of their finals. And he was a key part to them getting to that first final because he's the video guy. And he was one of the lead assistants for that group as well, too. So he's showing us all that maybe the whole former player being a head coach thing is a little bit overrated nowadays. You might need to go get the guy who was your video guy um, in the beginning, the guy that really came up with the franchise and worked his way into the position because he understands the culture of the team and he's been able to, you know, really execute the vision Pat Riley has put together for the Miami Heat. So this is a beautiful story, man. And I hope it ends really in, with with the right ending, with them lifting up the Larry O'Brien trophy, even though the Denver Nuggets are a juggernaut. Let's keep it real. I've never seen a team literally this talented playing in the NBA Finals. Like, they don't need a point guard. They don't need a, a hero. They don't need any of that. They just play for each other. They play selfless, and they go and try to win basketball games. That's it. Ain't nobody here appeasing nobody to get, get their 30 in and making sure people are happy with their six, seven, three-point attempts in a game. No. Do we score buckets? That's what we do. Same thing goes for the Miami Heat. That's why we got these two teams in the finals, because these are the best two teams in the NBA at this point right now. So you've said a lot of really you've made a lot of really good points, as you usually do, Pop. I, I want to ask you something, though, in terms of moving forward. We haven't seen Tyler Hero. Now, I don't know. I haven't looked at the updates. You could probably fill me in on whether or not he's going to be coming back. I'm, I'm told maybe game three that he may be returning. Do you think that's going to upset the chemistry? I mean, sometimes, you know, you bring back a guy who, you know, you have to bring back because of who it is. And sometimes it just throws things off. And I think where I'm going with that folks is that we've seen over the years, many, many times, I'll give you an example of something that's interesting from, I believe 2013, 2014, there was a game where the Clippers were about to close out the Rockets I'm sure many NBA fans remember this. They were up by 28 points. And so they put Harden on the bench. And then the Rockets proceeded to come back against the Clippers. 
And the Clippers, later on, as we find out, they become infamous for blowing leads and choking and Chris Paul banter and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, it was the demise of both Vinny Del Negro and Doc Rivers' tenure over there when really they had like a really formidable club. When you look at it from a talent perspective, DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and so on and so forth, all the role players were good. There's really no reason that they shouldn't advance. But the point I'm getting at is once they put Harden on the bench, the Rockets proceeded to roll. But the dilemma is always going to be, okay, so next game, do you put Harden back in or not? Is that going to disrupt what just happened or not? This is now on like a bigger stage with a bigger question mark because Hero's been out for a while now. So, Pop, let me ask you, when they bring back Tyler Hero in game three, does that disrupt the chemistry and the flow uh, and the success ultimately of the Miami Heat? What are your thoughts about that, brother? Um, You know what? I think Spolstra plays the thing correctly. You know what I mean? They're going to make sure he's 100%. They don't want to force this thing because they got this far without him. And I think that he could be an, an asset to what they're doing. But the thing is, though, at the end of the day, he has a broken wrist. And I think a lot of times with the shooter with the broken wrist, you got to just let the, the let that thing fully heal. He wouldn't be coming back fully healed. It would be a nice excuse if he can't hit his shot. And I don't think it's going to throw off their chemistry because I don't think Spolster is going to let it throw off their chemistry. If Spolster feels like there's something wrong, he'll put him right back to the bench. They, they, they can live without Tyler Hero. You know what I mean? And they already showed that. And I'm with you, Mike. I think sometimes guys just get a little excited that you're in the finals and that you're there and they want to be a part of it too. But they weren't thinking that you're going to be in the finals. Like, truly, in all senses of the word, true senses of the word, they did not have the idea that the Heat were going to be in the finals. Even Heat fans can lie and say that they had them going to the finals, but no, nobody had them getting past Milwaukee. And when they got past Milwaukee, I said to myself, well, now they can run the table because now they've showed that they're not really an eight seed. They really finished up more as a fourth seed. They really finished up probably the second best team in the Eastern Conference when you look at record wise and really going into it. So if we if they would have had as consistent season as they did in the final two months of the season, then they would have been a better seed. So there's just a lot of things that I factor in and say to myself that, you know, Miami is in it is it right where any team would love to be for their their possible biggest championship of all time because this to me could be the greatest win in team sports outside of baseball because baseball we've been blessed with some of the greatest upsets in the world series nba we haven't really had that moment we truly have not had that moment usually the favorite usually wins the series and we move on about it i think the the biggest Team win to date was the sweep of the Orlando Magic, uh, sweeping the um, the Orlando Magic sweeping the no, the Orlando Magic getting swept. I'm sorry about that, Mike. And um, it just is something that you look at and you say, okay, they got swept 4 0 by a Rockets team that was the six seed, but this that Rockets team was exactly like this Miami team, even though they were weren't a champion the season before. This Miami team came in here with a good amount of vets and they came into the playoffs red hot and they knew exactly what they were doing and they had a coach that had been there and done that. So that's why they were able to be so successful in the playoffs and they wound up beating a team that they were very familiar with. And that was the San Antonio Spurs and then the Utah Jazz. So they, the, it was great that the Heat had familiarity with these teams and they beat these teams. The only team that was brand new in the uh, group was the Knicks, but the Knicks were uh, probably the most beatable team out of all three of the teams that they just went through. So the Heat, are just it's an amazing story and you want to follow this thing to an ultimate win but we all know that in the reality in the realm of things that the Denver Nuggets are the rightful favorite and they're going to be a tough out period point blank the Nuggets don't care about all that all that bravado and everything that the Heat had to do to get there they're ready to go out there seek and destroy this team and get the series over with as quick as possible. They're well rested. They're ready to roll, but that might be detrimental because they're not coming in here 
ready to ready to 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 get into game action just like the Heat are. They're gonna have to kind of, um, I would say, warm up a little bit for at the beginning of this game, and that could prove to not work out in their favor. So that's why tonight, I've already said it on my show earlier. I'm taking the plus two ninety on the Heat to go ahead and get the game one upset, Mike. And the under 219. Look, man, everything that you're saying is super on point here. Let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about it. Ultimately, I'm going to ask you what everybody else wants to know, which is what are the three keys for each of these teams to be able to hoist the championship trophy? Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back with the Mike Abadir Show. Mike is away from the show real quick, but he'll be right back with us in a few moments. But uh, Mike, wanted, wanted, we, we wanted to go over the keys to victory for um, the NBA Finals or the keys to victory for tonight's game. Um, well, keys to victory for the series. Um, pretty much what the, what the Heat have to do, I'll go with them first since they're the underdog. The Heat have to keep their defensive um, mentality um, the way it is, they have to make sure that they're playing great defense to create easy offense. That's what's been the key for the Miami Heat. Also, Jimmy Butler needs to have at least five really solid games in the series for them to win this series or four really great games for them to win this series, in my opinion. Also, they need to make sure that Bam Adebayo is getting enough touches in this to make Jokic play some defense and make Jokic really have to think about how aggressive he wants to be in the game, period, point blank. So those are my three keys for the Heat to win this series. Now, Denver, on the other hand, is in a little bit of a different boat. Denver has the right type of role players that can go ahead and affect the game in a positive manner. So if they can get Bruce Brown to be a factor like he was in the Lakers series and be able to get more than, say, 10 or 12 points in games, they could cut the lights out pretty early in this series. But they need X factors coming off the bench. Also, KCP has to play a big role 
and being the guy that keeps everybody mentally strong out there as well, too, since he is the sole guy that does have an NBA championship on the team. So that's going to be key for them as well. They're going to need Jamal Murray to actually take over as the top scorer. You can't depend on Jokic to do everything. He don't want to tire this guy out. They can say he's not tired all they want to, but we all watch basketball, and that guy is laboring up and down the floor by the time we get to the uh, midpoint of the third quarter when he's playing a bit too much. And I felt like he was able to take a little bit of a break with the Lakers because they were confident in beating the Lakers. But in the Phoenix series, he got he had to do a lot of work. In the Minnesota series, he had to do a lot of work. Now you're sitting in a series where every game – is crucial. So you can't over use Jokic. So you're going to need Jamal Murray to step up and be the top scorer that pretty much he's supposed to be in the first place anyway. And then when it comes down to the biggest key to victory, just you got to keep your mentality. You have to keep the selfless mentality that has gotten you here. It's not about who the big star is on the team. It's not about who the best uh, Twitter uh, follower is on the team. It's all about winning this championship and winning this championship in the right way. And if they play basketball the right way, it's going to be really hard for the Heat to beat them. So with that, the Nuggets are the perfect favorite for this series. And the Heat are the perfect underdog for this series and those are my keys to victory for the nba finals all right um i'm gonna switch up gears a little bit okay I know mike didn't i'm gonna switch up oh mike came back you scared yeah, me. Oh, yeah. Scared me a little uh, bit. i'm ready for you to switch up gears go for it my man uh i'm we're gonna switch up gears a little bit and let's get to talking about the al east me and mike have we we left off on the last show that we were together on on talking about the al east and we had to speed through it but this division mike is really really good i feel like the Rays set a standard for the rest of the division to follow with that 13 and 0 start on the season and they became a great team to chase at this point baltimore has has even went over my expectations on having the second best record in baseball. Then the Yankees who were in last place about three weeks ago, find themselves in third place and in a playoff spot. And the Yankees have probably won their last, what, 15 out of 19 games. And they are playing absolutely exceptional baseball without having their full pitching staff and not having no statin in the lineup as well either. And then you have your Boston Red Sox. We were already kind of, you know, uh, riding off and saying that they were pretty much done before this, you know, three weeks into the season because the pitching staff was so bad. Boston has pretty much put it together and they find themselves, yeah, they're in fourth place, but they got a winning record and they got a record that shows that they can get to the playoff hunt as well, too. And then the last place team, the surprise last place team, the Toronto Blue Jays who we know are very capable of making a nice little winning streak come together very soon. But I think that they're still trying to get to know each other a little bit more because there's a lot of new personnel on that uh, in that group. But they're also having to figure out what's wrong with Alex Monet as well, too, who's absolutely struggling. And he's supposed to be the ace of the staff, you know. Recently coming off of Cy Young's, all that good stuff. And he's been absolutely, uh, he's been garbage. Let's just keep it real. He's be- He was good yesterday, but he got to be better. But, you know, they're going to have to get their runs. They're going to have to get the run support together, man, like today. They scored three runs before the fifth inning. I had the over four. These guys wind up not scoring a run for the rest of the game. And they got to fix that. They got some of the best hitters in baseball. And I truly do think that. The AL East by itself could literally be a great playoff uh, parody situation if they all were to make the playoffs, and it's it's kind of possible that it could you could get three of their te- you could get four of their teams in the playoffs this year, Mike, and that's absolutely incredible because when you look at the rest of the American League, you have the Rangers and Astros going at it in the West with the Angels kind of hanging out on the um, in the back a little bit. And then the the central 
Forget about it. You don't know who's going to win that division. Come on, Detroit's in second place, uh, two games out. So that 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 division is not going to take care of itself to the final week. But this is exciting in the AL East. What are your thoughts, and how, how are you feeling about your Red Sox? Well, I was really disappointed that they uh, lost to the Reds a couple of times. But overall, I mean, I don't think anybody that's a fan of any of these teams in the AL East can be disappointed in any way, shape, or form because they're all – tearing it up and the, the crazy thing about it is if you look outside of the division these teams are just rolling man like like the yankees i don't remember the exact number you guys can look it up but it's i'm gonna make up an example number it's something like the yankees are like 18 and four outside of the al east or something crazy like that you know and you're finding that with uh, just about all these teams in the al east if they don't play each other they're winning games uh, which might not be a bad thing to think about as as betters, unless somebody wants to fade that and say, you know what, they're going to come back to the mean eventually and regress. But I don't think so, man. I think the most elite of the elite are in the AL East right now, man. And uh, in terms of the Red Sox, they've gotten better pitching-wise. That was a huge problem for them. And it's interesting, though, because they've actually wasted a lot of good pitching matchups on this last road trip down to Southern California, San Diego, and. Uh, and down to Anaheim, they wasted a lot of really good pitching efforts. But overall, I think the fact that they're getting pitching efforts is a big positive, man. It's something that people could be excited about. So AL East rolling, bro. I think that is uh, the division um, that you could look at as the model division as a whole. Um, but you know what? The AL West is looking pretty good, too. You know, I mean, you got the, 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 the Rangers doing well. The Mariners are going to, you know, um, probably hit their stride pretty soon here. You know, the angels are, are doing well. Uh, so there's a lot of, a lot of fun stuff coming up, man. What are your thoughts about the Dodgers and the NL West? Because okay. they just keep, regardless of injuries or guys they bring up, they just keep rolling. Um, the Dodgers, um, you know, I, I talk about the Dodgers so much and I just feel like they're just, it's like, it doesn't really matter who's coming up and playing for the Dodgers. They're going to be successful, you know, or they're going to be somewhat good, you know, maybe not because Gavin Stone kind of was, I wouldn't say a bust, but he just wasn't ready as of yet. You know what I mean? They kind of put him in a pressurized situation, but, um, you know, you have Bobby Miller who's playing up to his, um, his, uh, his, 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 his uh, potential. That's that's great. You also have uh, Michael Grove coming back up, who was pretty good before he got sent back down. Even though he had a game where he gave up nine runs, but you're going to deal with that when you're you're a brand new, uh, you know, starting pitcher and everything like that. But Tony Goslin is coming back. He's been very effective. He's been really good. Also, you know, you lose May, but you know you're probably going to get him back in the next six weeks or so because he didn't tear anything. He just needs rest. Um, you also have a pretty good bullpen situation going on as well, too. Evan Phillips has been really good. Ferguson's been really good. They don't, they haven't talked about these guys enough, but they're shutting things down the right way. Uh, uh, Grady all is a little, is, is, is struggling a little bit to me because he gave up three runs yesterday. Bickford is always going to be a 50, 50 as well, too. So, you know, just going through the Dodgers pitchers. They have a lot of different varieties when it comes to it, but they got one constant, and that's Clayton Kershaw. This is why I always get really teed off about the way people treat Clay. Clay is the best lefty not named Sandy Koufax in Dodger history. Let's not play. Let's not be silly now. You know, Clayton Kershaw has been absolutely incredible for 15 years. Okay? he. Him having a down year means his ERA is at 375. That's that's damn good. You know what I mean, Mike? And he's won a couple of side Youngs. He's and you know, everybody always wants to say, well, we didn't win the World Series because Clay didn't strike out all 27 guys. Well, you know what? He didn't get any runs. And I'm going to always sit with that mantra, Mike, is that the man didn't get any damn run, so how is he supposed to help you win the game? If he pitches seven great innings and gives up three runs and you score none, 
then whose fault is it? You know, and I swear I just don't like about the way baseball is reported nowadays. And I feel like they're always putting pressure on the person that didn't mess the game up. You feel what I'm saying? And so pretty much Clayton Kershaw is the only thing that the Dodgers have that keeps them relevant, in my opinion. Even though they're winning a lot of games, they have the leadership of a guy who's been through so many different regimes and so many different teammates that he understands how to keep the group together. They don't talk about it enough, but he is the leader of the clubhouse. You know what I mean? And then Jason Hayward has been a great addition as well, too. We were really pining for a big free agent signing with the outfield. But you know what? We got the right guy, Jason Hayward. And we got your guy, J.D. Martinez, who's a who's a who's a who's a a professional hitter. You know, David Peralta, very good outfielder who can play any of the outfield spots. So the Dodgers didn't worry about getting stars. They got good role players that fit their mentality. And that's how you win World Series. And that's where San Diego's not going to win anything, Mike. And I keep trying to explain that to you guys. They don't know how to have a superstar team. That It's not going to work. And them overspending, trying to have an arms race with the Dodgers is absolutely stupid. They've literally blew up their whole farm to try to compete with the Dodgers on a short-term situation. The Dodgers have six, seven years worth of farm players. So it's like, what are you competing with? You know, we just need to, you need to find one player that fits a spot that's a weakness and upgrades the spot. But the thing is, though, when you're chasing, you start making bad decisions. And that's what happens. But they're pretty much like your Red Sox. The Red Sox had to learn that lesson the hard way as well, too. When they were chasing the Yankees during their run of World Series uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, they were the, the Red Sox were trying to have an arms race. When the Red Sox just decided to go ahead and put together the right players for the team, they went, they wound up being a great unit, you know, with a few stars and a lot of role players. So it's all about how happy your dugout is. If everybody's chilling and cool in the dugout, you pretty much are winning baseball games. But when people are over there not talking to each other and walking off and not listening to advice, they don't care. They just here to get a paycheck. You know, they're not worried about it. If we win, cool. If we lose, cool. No problem. Meet me at the uh, hotel bar at 7.30, you know, or 10.30 or 11 o'clock, whenever the game's over. You know, that's the type of players you don't want to be around. And I feel like that's like how the Angels are. But the Dodgers, they're the type of team, hey, man, let's all go out to uh, some taco place or something after the game. Let's all go together here. And that's how you build great units, man. And so I truly feel like the Dodgers are in a great position because of that alone. And, um, you know, it ain't nothing but um, some good times ahead. But we really do need to respect where the Arizona Diamondbacks are coming from. I told you, uh, told people 30 teams in 30 days. This was another team that you had to look out for. I didn't feel they were a playoff team, but I felt like they were a team that was going to, that was going to shake some things up because they had a lot of potential. They had a lot of really good young players that are going to be stars in the MLB if they're not stars right now. So the Arizona Diamondbacks are kind of a problem right now, Mike. It's not about the San Diego Padres. And the Giants are kind of like where they're going to be at. The Arizona Diamondbacks are an absolute issue because they have a great bullpen, and nobody's talking about that. That team can really shut it down when they need to. And um, they have a savvy to them as well, too, that good teams have. They never stop fighting. I'll give you a great uh, estimate today. The Rockies were up four to zip. They wind up losing the game five to four. Only reason why I'm so heavy into that game was because the Rockies were my client's dog bet of the day today. And also for clients, the clients went 21 and nine on dog bets last month as well too, Mike. So if you're listening and you're looking for some value bets and everything like that, you guys hit me up on the Twitter and you guys can become a part of PTSI for one flat fee for the rest of 2023. 
and uh, we can make some money if you guys want to. Hey, there you go, man. I think that's, uh, that's the way to go. Get yourself some uh, long shots to be able to participate in. Your man is Pop Tibiasi. Pop, let's take our final commercial time out. We'll come back and wrap up the show with more straight talk from Mike Avedere, Pop Tibiasi. We'll be back right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show with Pop TV, Aussie, talking NBA, talking AL East, we're talking Dodgers, and everything in between. So, Pop, let me ask you this. When we're looking at the NL East, do you think that the Mets, they keep calling up like rookies and they're really just trying to do anything to jumpstart that team. Is this panic mode or or not panic mode? Is this panic setting in? um, And that's why they're making all these moves and stuff like that. Or, uh, you know, look, there's a lot of pressure when you spend that kind of money on a, on a payroll. You said the Mets. Yeah. Okay. The Mets just swept the Phillies. So that's who's having some issues because they're the ones overpaying people. Come on, they Trey Turner, three hundred dollar singles hitter. Um, Yeah, but see, at uh, least they have a World Series appearance to show for it. The Mets, they have the highest payroll in the league, and they keep calling on on rookies and and bringing up Beatty and Alvarez and and uh, uh, anything they can to jumpstart this team. Maybe this little winning streak will get things going. I don't know. But to me, it seems a little bit desperate because they got a lot of veterans. You would think that they would be able to work their way out of it. Well, the Mets are sitting. The Mets actually had a decent month last month, to be honest with you. And the Mets are just trying to make sure that they can catch the Braves. And these guys are ready. It's that simple. And I think that's what what they're trying to do. They're trying to go ahead and bring in guys that are going to be really good and be really cheap down the road as well, too, because they're trying to figure out who they're going to have to trade during the trade deadline to get those those players that are going to put them over the top. The Mets are going to be fine, Mike, in my opinion. They're going to be fine, and the Mets are actually – I got a feeling that the Mets are actually going to catch the Braves. The Braves are good, but they're a little overrated. Let's keep it real. They went to – it was funny. The They go to Oakland and lose two out of three. And almost got swept. So 
I think this team, but then we got to go back to the mentality that says this. Whenever we have interleague games against uh, the best from the AL or NL, and they go against the best from the other league, I mean the worst from the other league, the team, the worst team always seems to win the series. So that's something that kind of cancels that portion out. But still, I think that at the end of the day, you have a Mets team that knows that when they start winning, it's going to be tough to beat them. And they got the they got the team that can go deep in October, in my opinion, this year. And I think, man, I'm still upset that the Dodgers and Mets were on a collision course for a great championship series. And I know you giving Philly their props, but come on, man. Philly, well, I'm talking about this year right now. Philly had bigger expectations than everybody else in the East this year. And I feel like they're failing once again, and they're not making the playoffs this year. I don't, I don't care. I'm going to say it right now, Mike. They're not making any playoffs this year. The team sucks in a real way. And I feel like, you know, the Mets and the Braves are kind of like the standard right now outside of the Dodgers in the National League. We got an NL Central that's very murky right now. Milwaukee went to being number one in the division. Um, now Pittsburgh is, is, is actually sitting in the wild card race as we speak. Miami's doing well. I already talked about the uh, Giants. They're doing well. And surprise, surprise, the Cincinnati Reds at 26-9 after having one of the worst starts you could have to a baseball season. They've literally went ahead and changed the whole culture over in a month. So there's a lot of good teams ahead of all the, the, the usual suspects. Padres, Phillies, Cardinals, all struggling. Cubs struggling. But we knew that was going to happen. And um, come on. Colorado and Washington, you knew where they was going to be at. But Washington's playing decent baseball. They beat the Dodgers yesterday 10-6, to 6, no problem. Keeper Ruiz uh, said, yeah, you should never traded me for, you know, those two guys that never got you a title ring. Because now the, I think, honestly, the Dodgers are going to regret that, uh, Mike, getting rid of Josiah and, uh, Ke- and uh, Keeper. Because those two have all, multiple all-stars written all over them. And – the patience and see this is what happens when you're not patient. And I feel like the Dodgers have given away more talent than they've received over the years lately. You know what I mean? They're chasing older players, but they gave up a lot of their younger players as well too. And that's something that the Mets are trying to make sure that they don't, that they know that they got the guy that's going to be their outfielder for the next 10 years and not a guy that's just going to be a flash in the pan like Cody Bellinger. You know what I mean? So I like it. I always like when they're bringing up players that are number one rated in the minor leagues and everything like that, because they've, they've, they've mastered the minors. Now it's time for you to show us what you can do in the majors, because if you, you, if you can't step it up here, then we can go ahead and evaluate the situation. Are you the right fit for us? Are we the right fit for you? And we can evaluate the situation much better because you're on the big club right now. We can't evaluate it the same way when you got a scouting report coming from the second base, from the first base coach. And, you know, he really likes the guy. So he's going to exaggerate a few things. You know what I mean? You got to be ready. These guys were drafted to be superstars. That's what they got to do, Mike. That's that simple. Okay. Yeah, so Pop, one more thing that I, that, that I wanted to get to real fast, which is we haven't talked much about the mediocre AL Central. And I, and I have to do that because one of my boys, one of my boys is a big Twins fan, okay? But look, the Twins, you know, I, I got to give them credit. They're, they're pitching, you know, I mean, look, at the beginning of the year, I thought it was a big mistake getting rid of the batting champ. And I was totally like not with the trade of getting away, getting rid of such a good hitter. And I was told, you know, hey man, this uh, this the arm that's coming back is pretty decent. And I think overall, the Twins are probably where they are, you know, because of their arms. You know, they've got a two 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 game lead right now on the uh, Detroit Tigers. I believe it's two games somewhere around there. The uh, the uh, Guardians have been under achieving all year long. 
the White Sox, they're probably ready to sell off. Uh, they're an enigma to me because they're so full of talent, uh, but not full of wins. Do you think that ultimately the Twins are going to be a buyer at the trade deadline? Because really their only competition right now is going to be, you know, Detroit's not going to sustain this run. I'll tell you that much. Okay. So really it just, if you could fend off Cleveland, you're a playoff team. Simple as that. Well, you're right, Mike, because I, I previewed they um I previewed the weekend series with the Guardians this weekend, and I said to myself that this possibly could be the moment where the Guardians go into being the first place team in the division. Or say this the Guardians went three out of four, the Tigers wind up sweeping this weekend, and they wind up being in place. Can you believe that, Mike? The Tigers. The Tigers. The Tigers started the season off absolutely awful. I could. I didn't even. Man, the Tigers had me so uh, the first uh, two weeks of the season because they couldn't do anything right. Now this team is sitting up in here and they literally are are making teams work for wins and they dominated the AL Central. Look it up. They've actually got a winning record against everybody. And that's why they're sitting in position right now. And then the Chicago White Sox, my preseason pick, they're still on the outside looking in, but they're not that far out. They're only seven games out. But the Twins still are the team to me in this division. They still have everything it takes. Joe Ryan, great pitcher. Pablo Lopez, great pitcher. Louis Varlin, great pitcher. Nobody's talking about Varlin yet, but he's doing a great job. The veteran, Sonny Gray, former Cy Young, great pitcher. See, they got two Cy Youngs on this team. This team is really built for the fall, in my opinion. I think the Twins are in a mode where they're going to make a nice run, say, July or August, and they could probably take this division to the next level, or they could be like last season and kind of run into the injury, bug and find themselves in a position where Cleveland overtakes them at the end. But I think that it's going to be, as we like to say in horse racing, a blanket fit finish, my brother. You know what I mean? And we all love a blanket finish. Don't, don't. So, you know, that's what I'm looking at. And I think that the winner is only going to win by half a game or so, to be honest with you. And this is going to be absolutely epic, uh, the run that's going to make, be made for who's going to win this division, in my opinion. You know, this might be the the funnest race of them all, even though all the teams w- are considered pretty bad. But I don't consider teams bad when, you know, their records are kind of even. That just means that these teams aren't consi- are, consi- in- are consistent at being inconsistent. So... That's the whole whole mantra that I have for that type of uh, uh, situation when it when it does occur. And I love a division that has parity, Mike. I don't care what anybody says. The worst thing for a team sometimes is for them to win the division by twenty or thirty games because it gives everybody this idea that they're this dominant force and they're gonna just go in there and kill everybody and whoop 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 whoop. And then you, they wind up losing, like the Dodgers. Like the Mets, well, the Mets didn't run away with the East, but you get my get my my meaning with that. You know what I mean? So you want to have you you want to be challenged, Mike. So then you can be ready for all these scenarios that come with the territory when you're chasing that championship. There is no championship without a struggle, and that's why I'm so heavy on the Heat winning this title because they had to struggle to get this title. To get to this to, to this moment, Denver didn't have to struggle. Denver did their job. They did what they were supposed to do, and so that's how I look at that situation. And this is how I look at this situation: the whoever wins the Central is going to be the most dangerous team in the AL playoffs and the most dangerous team in the NL playoffs. I'm calling it right now, Mike, because these teams are going to have a tough tough road to get to the playoffs in itself and once you're able to bring now we're in the playoffs you'll be ready for every scenario that arises in your face but i still think when it comes down to the nl central you cannot count the st louis cardinals out because me and you both know they're boys of summer there's five teams that are just the boys of summer the yankees the dodgers the cardinals your red Sox, and I would put them on the list now because 
They've been one of the better teams in baseball over the last seven, eight years, the Astros. But those are my five boys of summer, the guys that really heat up, teams that really heat up in the summertime. And that's what I see those five. And so that's why I say try to hold off the Cardinals for as long as you can because when they make their run, oh, they're coming for blood. Be ready. Be ready. And let's be honest, that division is could have everybody be the uh, leader of the house, both of those divisions. Because when you think about it, the Cubs, man, the Cubs, brother, the Cubs. But I know we run out of time, Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, uh, just to echo what you're saying, man, I think the Cardinals have uh, regained their mojo. And, uh, you know, I think it's – I think it's uh, go time for them. Um, you know, look, here's the thing. That's the beauty of baseball. It's a long season. There's ebbs and flows. And you, you just got to not get too high on your highs or too lows on your lows when it comes to baseball. That's that's the deal. And I think veteran teams are able to keep it together for long enough to right that ship. I think that's really the bottom line, man. Man. I'm telling you, baseball is so exciting, Mike. People do not get it because got four more months left in the season. The season is not. It's 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 it, it's it's you can't be the the hair. It's the tur- tortoise the, the tortoise and the, the hair and the tortoise. You want to be the tortoise. You want to take it take your time, be slow, whatever you have to be. But when it's time to really get to the finish line. That's when we really pick up the pace. We're not going to run ahead and, and and die out, you know, have our chest explode at the fin- before the finish line. No, we go in there. We have to go win the game. But go ahead, my guy. Well, I'll wrap um, this, uh, you guys already know, it's, it, we're at the end of the show. Uh, Mike is dealing with a family emergency right now. But let's go ahead and uh, shout out to Mike's cousin who's uh, – who's battling for his life right now. And also shouts out to Egan uh, Norwood, who lost his life the other day as well to Britton Norwood's uh, young son. And, um, you know, this show today was dedicated to both of those guys. So, you know, thank you so much for listening to the show. Enjoy sports weekend. And this is the Mike Abadir show featuring pop DBIC, the prime time capper. And we are out of here. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again.